Guys, you're so welcome. We have been journeying for some time through um, what Jesus uh, first taught um, at the beginning of his ministry, at the beginning of his journey. Um, now, if you don't know Jesus, he's like the best person you ever want to meet. Like, if you don't know Jesus, oh man, you're in for a treat. I'm making a poem here. And um I just want to invite you to consider, even if you feel like you've known him for like decades and decades and decades, there's always more to know about Jesus. There's always more to fall in love with about Jesus. There's always more to reconcile about Jesus and get mysterious about as well and wonder about Jesus. So we're, we're just on a journey as a community of wondering. We're just wandering away as we go, wondering and wandering. We are wondering and wondering in Jesus, and um, we just invite you just as you come and join this part of the journey to consider a bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to read a bit of um, the Bible, um, because we love the Bible here, um, but we're going to read it together, because I think that's fun. You might not, but like, I can do it by myself, that's fine, but I think it's really awesome when we speak out the words of the Bible together, because somehow they become not just words on a page, but, but words that can activate in our hearts. Is that okay? So we're just going to start from the top. Will we stand up? Because that helps with the voice projection, doesn't it? You might want to put your masks on if you're very close to somebody. Um, Are you ready? So we'll do a, a one, two, one, two, three. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves care for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort And they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer, even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have gotten into all kinds of trouble for this. Whoa, okay. So you can have a wee seat again. Folks, we've been journeying through a bit, and Andy, over the last couple of weeks, um, has done a a beautiful fusion, really, of 
chatting about the Beatitudes and the value of the Beatitudes through the story of the reservoir. And the reservoir, which is full of bright, sparkling, amazing living water, it's all available. It's all of heaven available to us. And that there are riverbeds all waiting to be filled up with this bright, sparkling, living water. And we're a little bit like those riverbeds. And sometimes riverbeds can look a bit dry and craggy and stagnant, and they need a little bit of fresh water to flow through them, don't they? And so sometimes we can get to bits in that life, in our life, where we need his fresh, living water just to come and revive them. But those rivers are not just there for the rivers, they're there for the tributaries as well, and for the ditches, the irrigation ditches, which is going to those who most need the water. Like where where we need the life to come and so much more. And so it's intentional. The reservoir of heaven flows into our lives and then there's an overflow from our hearts too because Andy talked about the trap of the hot tub. You know that we can get to these places and spaces where we just think, this is good. I'm feeling good about me and my relationship with God. I will sit in this here hot tub and enjoy the goodness of what's here. But he never intended us for hot tub living, we're not saying anything. It's hot tubs, you know. If you've got a hot tub, you're all cool. But he didn't intend us for that. He intended us for all that goodness to keep on overflowing. You know, one of the things that really fascinates me in the Bible is that the word for church is ecclesia. And that was a word which was borrowed from the Roman culture of the day. And I find this really fascinating. Ecclesia doesn't mean the comfortable ones. The comfortable place. The lovely place to dwell. Ecclesia means the called out ones. And that was a phrase which was very normal in the Roman day. The called out ones. A gathering of the citizens of a given community who had been called together to tend to city affairs is the broader sense of that word. And so that's what we're saying is that we're not called to be the comfortable hot tub ones. We're called to be the called out ones. Change, change. Like to tend to the, to the affairs around us, to be part of the world. It's almost like to be in the world, but not of the world. To be fully part of the world around us. Um, and so it just excites me that today, it excites me and slightly scares me, that today we're on verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So easy to say. I'll say it again. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So, people's mercy. Lord, have mercy. I used to say that as a refrain in the Church of Scotland. There would be certain prayers, and our pat response would be, Lord, have mercy. I didn't have a clue what I was saying did not have a clue of what mercy really meant. Lord, have mercy. So, first little fun exercise. Are you ready for this? We are going to define the word mercy together. So I would love for you, wherever you're sitting, just come up with what is your best definition for the word mercy. Okay? Is that okay? No, not really, but that's great. So we're just going to just do a little, let's define mercy together. And I also just want us to think, as we think of that definition of the times in our every day, that we might use mercy, that we might see mercy. Is that okay? So if you're just at a table of maybe two people, you could feel free to join up with other people. And I just want to give us five minutes to talk about this just now. What is mercy? How do we see it? Okay?
Go for it. Five minutes. Okay, you guys, if you could gather your amazing definitions, that would be so cool. So cool. I love to um, engage with what words mean. It's a little bit of the inner geek in me. Um, but I, I, I think when we've got weighty words like mercy, who has heard the word mercy used in the last week in the workplace? No. Anybody heard it on the news? No. Politics? <laughs> no. Okay. Has any, does anybody want to share their definition of mercy? Do you want to shout it out? Forgiveness. Anyone else? Getting what you don't deserve. Anything else? Compassion. Anything else? Not punishing. Anything else? Not getting what you do deserve. Anything else? There's a cost to it. Anything else? I think that's quite cool. Anyone else happy with it? Anyone that just has a burning thing inside them to share another word? Not just now? Thank you, Cheryl on Zoom. So Cheryl on Zoom says that mercy is when you withhold deserved punishment fit for the crime. Good, Cheryl on Zoom. That was good. That was good. Well, according to the dictionary... Mercy is the compassionate treatment of an offender. The word mercy in the Greek is elio. Do you want to say that together? Elio. elio. That sounds like a party. Elio. Whoa. And elio means kind or compassionate treatment. The power to forgive or to be kind. And interestingly, do you not find clemency really interesting? You know, like when the the president of America, this is probably the most commonly held understanding of this, the president of America is given the power to pardon those on death row, therefore giving them clemency, the disposition to be merciful and especially to moderate the severity of the punishment due. That there is challenging, but here we go. So, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown Mercy. In other words, blessed are those who treat others with kindness and compassion. Blessed are those who extend compassion to those who have offended. Blessed are those who extend compassion to those who have offended them. Blessed, like we could go on for a while, couldn't we? But there's a weight to mercy, isn't there? It's not just a free token. We're just like, woo, mercy, woo, mercy. This is like, it's no, no skin off my back to give out mercy. There's, there's a weight to that. For then they shall receive heavenly kindness and compassion. Be extended compassion when they've offended. So in the hot tub analogy, we sit and enjoy the mercy of God. Whoa, it's amazing. How awesome is the mercy. Keep, keep hitting me with it, Jesus. Keep, keep bringing it to me, Jesus. I want to just enjoy this mercy. But in the overflow, his mercy leads to a mercy-filled lifestyle. Creating rivers of mercy left, right, and center. 
So I just want to just ground this an example. I'm really aware of the time, but I just feel it's really important to ground this an example of Jesus and how he showed that this can work in everyday life. So I'd love us to go to Matthew chapter 9 and verses 9 to 13. So if you don't have a Bible, this is going to be up on the screen. This is in the message version of the Bible. Um, And I just want us to gather around this. So I'll just read this just now. Follow along if you'd like to. Passing along, Jesus saw a man at his work collecting taxes. His name was Matthew. Jesus said, come along with me. Matthew stood up and followed him. Later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined him. When the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit and lit into Jesus' followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? Jesus, overhearing, shot back. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. Fun times that, isn't it? I'm after mercy, not religion. So first off, guys, I know that probably most of us won't enjoy if we pay tax, that whapping lot of a money that comes off and goes, to, goes, you know, we don't enjoy that, but we are deeply thankful that we get to walk into a hospital free of charge. Like, I really hope that that's kind of our prevailing thought, isn't it? Like, and we can talk about the politics and all that kind of thing, and, and, and you know, I'm going to use the word corruption when it comes to Roman times, and some of us are thinking, uh, uh, and I'm not going to go there, okay? Because that's for another day. <laughs> However... Tax collectors, they were hated, despised, despicable people because they did not love justice, they did not love mercy, they did love not anything about the kingdom. They were despised in the kingdom of God. They did some stuff which was not acceptable. So I love that Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector first off. There's the first act of mercy right there. Hey, you boy, come follow me. Simple as that. Come follow me. And um, then he has the cheek, doesn't he? I love this bit now. So he's gathered with his growing number of disciples round the table, having conversation with them, um, exploring what the reality of these beatitudes might look like in our everyday lives. And then Matthew's mates call at the door and, and, and come on in. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, I am so sorry, you are dirty, disrespectful, and horrible. Please stay at the door while I finish my meeting inside. He says, come and join us. Come join in the conversation. Come to, And, you know, that was not something that the Pharisees wanted to see happen. They didn't want for those guys to join in because all they saw was the outward of what had happened, of what they were doing, of what they were engaging with. And Jesus had mercy-filled eyes. And I think that's why he refers to that passage. He could have referred to so many different passages in the Old Testament at that point, but he calls the Pharisees and he reminds the, the followers around the table, love mercy, not religion. Offer clemency, 
not religion. Offer a fresh start. Not the backstory. Like, is anybody else deeply challenged by this? Because I really am. Really am deeply, deeply challenged by this. So he smashes through with this Hosea 6.6. This is the Old Testament. Jesus used the Old Testament to help to show how the kingdom was coming. To show that he was the Messiah. So he kept referring back to the Old Testament. So you can find that there. So in broad daylight, he knew. He knew what those dudes were up to. Everybody knew. But there was a place at the table because mercy was available. I just think what's really, really interesting is the links from mercy to justice to peace. I think these are are interlinked concepts, which we are actually as a community going to explore in deeper measure in this year to come. But because mercy was the gateway, so it wasn't that um, the injustice was ignored, that was going to be worked out with time. But mercy was the gateway to give the seat at the table. I wonder how much through us not giving mercy, we don't allow a seat at the table. We don't allow the gateway to justice coming. In so many different ways, shapes, forms. Maybe in conversations that we're just not willing to engage with. Maybe because it just feels too hard. There's so many different reasons. And also, you guys, when we especially think of the offend like when we've been offended against, like it's really hard, isn't it, as human beings, because we can't always do that process by ourselves. We, we, need, we need help. Just now, I am enjoying the help of a therapist to work out some of these things to understand how I can play out mercy in situations where I maybe have felt a victim in and, and where we need to just be able to stay. So I just... Um, I just see Jesus say, come as you are. I don't see the corruption. I don't see the ways that you're choosing to practice. I don't see that. I want you to come as you are because I know in my kingdom you will not stay that way. You know, like the deep core stuff, like who we are, like is a gift of God, isn't it? And how we choose to act out sometimes of hurt, of trauma, of pain, of all these different things, sometimes becomes like it is who that person is. That's not who that person is. We are all onions, aren't we? There's all there's always the gold within for us to seek out. So Jesus didn't shut down in fear. He welcomed. He welcomed the conversation. And do you know what? I'm not sure if Jesus knew where the conversation was going to take him. I'm not sure if he had that all figured out and planned out, but he was open and welcoming. He was showing mercy. So what we're going to do, guys, as a community, is we're going to gather around something called communion. And communion is nothing magical, like the wine or the juice, whichever you choose, and the bread. There's nothing magical about those things at all. But what we need to, um, I think there's a reconciliation here for each of us to consider. Jesus, I want to consider your mercy afresh. He has gifted each of us mercy, clemency, 
to each person in this room, that's the offer on the table. He's just like, I know everything that's happened in your life. I know the journeys you've been on. And I want to give you mercy as a gateway towards a deeper relationship with you and I. But I also wonder, you guys, if there are certain relationships or situations or people groups or entire populations that he is just whispering to us, will you have mercy there? Will you give mercy here? Are you willing to to open the gateway there? Which I know, like, I mean, I'm even thinking about the situations now. It's not easy, right? But he calls us to consider this, I think, again, freshly. Mercy. Blessed are the merciful because they will be shown mercy. When we choose to engage with the things of kingdom of God, there is blessing in that it's not always easy. Engaging with his kingdom come as will be done is not an easy path. It's not a ticket to an easy ride. But to really grapple with these areas where we can just sit before our heavenly dad and say, I don't understand this. I don't get this. I'm willing to sit open-handed with you and give it a try. So there's no way on this planet Earth that we could cover mercy in one week. Like it's a huge concept, isn't it? And there could be some people that you need to go and speak to or something that triggers in your head and your heart. But I just want to pray for us now. And then I'd just love you to just choose one person from your table to go and collect enough communion stuff for for your whole table, if that's okay. And we're going to gather around communion together in a second. But why don't we just pray together? Do you want to pray? Hmm. Yeah. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the ways that you went against the grain and you showed us what kingdom come can look like. Oh, we just lift off. I just sense such weightiness. And I just really speak, Father, that you would come and speak to us as we engage with communion right now. Would you come and do some divine exchanges in our hearts and lives and highlight, make us aware of places and spaces where we need your mercy. We need it personally, we need it to overflow too. And would you help us to step into living a lifestyle of mercy? Yeah, come Lord Jesus, have your way. Amen.